This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, where Matthew Douglas will be talking with me, Jeff Perry, about my new book, The Intentional Engineer, a guide to a purpose-driven life and career for engineers and technical professionals. In this episode, we talk about the power of intentionality, mindsets we need to shift for success, the importance of journaling, and how to become the people we want to become in our lives and careers. I'm typically your host, but as I said, Matthew Douglas is going to be interviewing me, but I'm Jeff Perry. I'm a leadership and career expert and the author of this new book, The Intentional Engineer. You can find more information on me at jeff-perry.com. And this is the Engineering Career Coach podcast brought to you by EMI, the first podcast dedicated to helping engineers and technical professionals with both their personal and professional development. All right, so now it's time to jump right into our main segment of this episode. Today's topic is going to be about intentionality in engineering careers. So we have Jeff Perry with us today, um, of course, as the host, but we're going to be interviewing him on his new book called The Intentional Engineer. So Jeff, welcome to the show, but I'm sure that you don't really need to be welcome because this is your show. It feels like I'm being at home, but turning the mic around is always a little bit interesting. So I'm excited about this. Thanks, Matthew. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. So uh, let's talk about the book. What inspired you to write this book and who's the primary audience for it? Yeah, so the intentional engineer came from the last few years of doing a lot of work with engineers and technology professionals, where I found that so many people that I worked with and talked to had solid careers. They're doing well, they're making good money. By all the, the numbers, they were succeeding and doing well in what they're doing. And yet they still felt the sense of lack. And it didn't really make sense. And so I've been trying to, to work through that. And so the word intentional or to be intentional or intentionality emerged really quickly as something that was a theme for what a lot of people needed and really resonated with in the work that I did, where I was helping them kind of define their careers and where they wanted to go and get career clarity and a whole lot of other things and, and upgrade their mindsets. And so while it's designed for people who are kind of in their careers and really trying to upgrade or, or get to the next level, the principles in the book I've used with people who are brand new graduates to executive level folks. So the principles can be used by anyone. And it's really designed to help people kind of take charge of their careers in a way that aligns also with their lives, because we have this one life and, and their career is just a part of our life. It's not just work that we're trying to optimize here so that we can take charge of our careers so our careers aren't just happening to us, that we are being intentional about who we want to become and the type of career and life that we want to live. And so one model to kind of help people at the beginning to understand, okay, where am I at now? Because for all of us, we need to just kind of start where we're at, is kind of think about a, a ladder of different places that people could be at their career. 
kind of the lowest level is feeling overlooked. These are people who are unemployed right now and not making any money and feel like, I don't know how to even just get into my career. The next level is people who are kind of in obligatory status where they're in a role where you're kind of just surviving, making ends meet, but certainly not thriving, right? The next level is where I see a whole lot of people, and this is what I call opportunistic. They've fallen into some things, maybe friends, family, network has given them some opportunities, and they've just sort of let their career sort of move along, but they haven't yet. And so they're paid while they're taking care of business. So this is where I see a whole lot of people, but kind of disengaged and not really feeling that satisfaction, that meaning in what they're doing. The tipping point is to be intentional. And that's kind of this fourth level to get intentional where we're experiencing purposeful growth in growing and becoming and, and gaining the skills and experiences that we want to have. And that leads us eventually to getting into being more impactful and delivering our life's work and impacting people just out of ourselves. Because it's not just about our own happiness and satisfaction. It's also about the impact that we can have on others. So it's kind of a progression. And sometimes we move up and down depending on different life circumstances in that model. But no matter where you're at today, how can we move up and get to a better place and move towards and through intentionality to make that happen? Yeah, I like what you're talking about here. And I actually read some of the book. Now, I didn't finish all of it. I actually got halfway through it. I was really liking the material that I'm seeing in here because I feel like I could really relate to a lot of what you're talking about, about being an intentional engineer. And I think that it's very important. People really understand and like assess where they actually are because, you know, like you might need to, you know, make some changes. I actually saw that through the the graphic that you are actually showing, like I looked in the in the workbook as well that you have, which is another thing that I really love about this book. The workbook was awesome. Very detailed, very to the point. I love that I can see that there are so many different levels where we can actually classify ourselves. And I actually saw like, huh, well, in the different stages of my engineering career, I was in a stage where I was like, okay, what level was that? I think it was like level three where I was making a decent amount of money, but I wasn't fulfilled. And with that, like, obviously everything that you said in the book really pointed to and aligned with how I was feeling at that point in time. So I had to make a change. But I just wanted to point that out that I'm really loving the book so far. It's a great read, very simple, very to the point and very easy to understand and relate to. So let's go ahead and start talking about mindsets and how they shape our paths. Like, can you share some insights on how to adapt and shift your mindset when it's necessary, how to find when it's time to actually do that? So our mindsets are so critical to not just what we do, but how we do it. When you think about changes we're trying to make in our lives or our careers, mindsets are the foundation of that. So I like to say that mindsets drive our behavior and our actions, like what we do and how we do it. And those behaviors are what drives our results, right? So if we want to make a change, we want to get or reach some goals, we want to get different results than what we're getting right now. A lot of times people would say, hey, can I shift my actions? Here's a step-by-step, -step, all the five steps to reach success in, in this new goal or whatever that I want to reach. But if we neglect our mindsets, we're actually neglecting really the sustainable change that we're, we need to be able to make because mindsets are what drive that. And so if we're, our mindsets are left behind, even as we're trying to change our actions, it may pull us back just to define mindsets or give some kind of metaphor around it, I like to think of mindsets in a couple of different ways. One is to think about mindsets as a lens through which we see the world. 
So uh, you're wearing glasses. I wear glasses sometimes. Sometimes people might wear contacts or, or whatever. But if you have the wrong prescription, you're going to see the world in a distorted way. Our mindsets can either help us if we have positive mindsets, we're going to see things clearly. We're going to see the reality of the world. But if we have distorted mindsets, it sort of filters what we see in the wrong way. And we're going to make wrong assumptions about people and circumstances. We're going to put a negative light on things and it's going to make it hard for us to act accordingly, right? So that's one way to think about it. I also like to think about mindsets as kind of like our internal operating system. It's different than like building a new skill. It's on a phone or a computer, like you're kind of installing a new app, right? But our mindsets are operating system. This is how we go about reacting and, and operating in all the things that we do, right? And so if you have a bug or a virus there, you can even have the right inputs, but the wrong output might come out the other side because of that mindset, right? We're just trying to start with initially, like at least getting awareness. Do we even know what our mindsets are and how they are influencing us in our lives, uh, in our personal life, in our professional life, in our community, because it is context dependent. And then when we can start to identify those mindsets or these beliefs about ourselves, or these assumptions that we make that might be holding us back from some of the changes that we want to make, then engineers are like this. The process to start to shift that is actually to run an experiment. So we identify essentially a, a mindset or a belief that we have that we might think of like, hey, that's a hypothesis that I have right now, a belief that I have. But instead of trying to run the scientific method to confirm that hypothesis, I'm actually running a scientific method to disconfirm that hypothesis, right? So I'm going to run a test and take some action that I can collect some data and experience to see, hey, is that actually true? Is what I was fearing going to happen if I do this thing, this assumption or belief about I have is that actually going to come true? If not, then that actually starts to break down our emotional and mental attachment, that mindset or that belief that we have that might be holding us back, might be a limiting belief. Because what we're doing here in our minds and our brains is we're building neural connections with our neurons. And brain scientists will say that neurons that fire together, wire together. So the more we fire our brains in the direction that we want to go, the more they wire together, the more that becomes a more natural way that we operate. But it does take a lot of conscious effort until that becomes more natural. But we need to be running these tests and trying new things to break down our previous assumptions and beliefs and mindsets and move towards the kind of mindsets that we want to have. We could talk for hours about mindsets. I love it, but we'll leave it at there for now. I love the analogies that you were actually just, uh, you know, listing there about like whether a computer virus and Another thing that I kind of wanted to point out is like, you know, I'm on social media a lot and I oftentimes see a lot of career coaches or a lot of people that are trying to sell a course. They're saying, okay, the five steps to get rich, the five steps to build your real estate portfolio, whatever it may be. Right. But I think that what you're pointing out here in your book is something that's even deeper than all of that. The intentionality, the mindset that you actually need, because that's the root. You can't grow a tree unless the roots are stable in the soil and they're receiving water. The mindset is the most important thing in order for you to actually get to that point where you're able to grow further. So I just really wanted to point that out because I like what you're saying about all of these things. So 
you're saying something about uh, making a conscious choice and making a conscious effort. Like, let's talk about that a little bit. So let's talk about intentionality. Now, is this a, a conscious choice? And why is that vital for engineers to make that choice if it is conscious? Yeah, it's absolutely conscious. Like, there's a decision that needs to be made about what we want to do, who we want to become, and the type of life that we want to live, the type of career that we want to have. Like, to be intentional is us deciding that. Otherwise, our circumstances, our family, our culture, just the opportunities that present themselves are going to decide for us, right? I love a, a quote by, and I put it at the front of the book, it's by one of my mentors, Richie Norton. He says, intentional living is the art of making our own choices before others' choices make us. So this is absolutely a conscious choice. Because otherwise, like, it doesn't matter what we do. If we don't intend to go anywhere, do anything specific, then what we do doesn't matter. I think of the story from the old movie and, and book, Alice in Wonderland, right? So Alice is kind of lost in this forest and a lot of creepy things. And she comes to a fork in the road. And there's a sort of cunning character, the Cheshire cat. And Alice asks the cat, like, hey, which road should I take? The cat says, well, that intends a lot on where you want to go. And she's like, well, I don't really know where I want to go. And so he says, essentially, well, then any road will get you there. And I find that too often, that's how we approach our career. We don't know exactly where we want to go. We're at least like a guiding idea of where we want to go. And so we just sort of take whatever road is there, whatever job I can get, wherever I want to live, whatever other circumstances, just because that's there, because we're not being intentional. So it is a conscious choice. And this whole idea of intentionality is to identify what we truly care about, who we want to become. Because engineers are so amazing that they have so many options. They have so many areas and ways that they can apply their skills. They're so versatile in the industry. But that broad set of choices and opportunities also makes it that much more difficult to chart the path because for me, who was a mechanical engineer, you know, mechanical engineers can go 15 different directions or more. Matthew, you were a civil engineer and you could go all sorts of different directions, work on all sorts of different projects, right? So we get to decide. And it doesn't mean that you're stuck on one thing and have to stay with that for the rest of your career. We can still adapt and change and, and shift as we identify and learn new things about ourselves and what we like and what we want to try. The idea of intentionality isn't just to like, plan out the next 20 or 30 years of your entire career. It's more of a, an approach to taking steps and making decisions throughout your life. I like that a lot. I think that that really ties into chapter five of the book, which is to get your career clarity, just making that conscious choice. And another thing that you pointed out that I think really aligns to me is uh, sometimes when you're trying to make that choice and, you know, like you're just getting out of school right? Like you're at a very, very young age. I feel like age has a, a lot to do with the mindset and where you end up. And I think that it kind of messes up the intention and, and might set you on the wrong track at first. In my experience, I was growing up very, very interested in construction, building houses and building subdivisions and things of that nature, right? But I had gotten an offer to get into water resources engineering at the internship level while I was in school. And then I just continued that track because my intention at that point in time was 
just to get into the field. I just need a job. I just need some money. I just need to be able to pay these student loans. So with that, I ended up getting into the water resources industry and I didn't like it. (laughs) Well, I did like it a little bit. There was a lot to learn there, but I didn't like it as much as I was actually taking a liking to the area of construction. So I think that intentionality and just like, you know, making a choice at first consciously, as you've stated, is very important because it can just set you off on that right path. And that's not a terrible thing. I had a very similar experience where I had an opportunity in a research lab where we were doing a lot of engineering software. I wasn't a computer science or computer engineering major, but that lab actually gave me an opportunity coming out of school to get into writing software for engineering like CAD systems at a large company. And so I did that, that it it just sort of fell into my lap. So it was being more kind of opportunistic, but it didn't take me too long to realize that for me and my personality, the way that I wanted to work, writing code was not it. I wasn't being intentional, but I can still look back and be grateful for that time and that experience and what it taught me and then try and build more intentionality moving forward. And so we don't have to feel bad about that because there are these different stages of our life and our career. And to some degree, just getting that exposure can help us clarify our intentions and decide what we want to go. Like you're not going to have it all figured out coming out of school and that's totally fine, right? You know, thinking about this whole idea of intentionality and getting clarity as kind of prototypes in our life and our career that we're just designing prototypes for our life. We're testing things out. We're getting data. Hey, does this work? Does this not? What do I like? What do I don't like about this stage, this type of role, this type of company? And then you can decide, okay, what's the next thing I want to try? Let's try and move towards that, whether that's growing where you're at now and the type of role and and company you're in, or maybe trying something new. And that's totally fine. But at the same time, engineers need to, to recognize that engineers, what we do matters in society with the infrastructure we built, with the technology that we create. Like we have a responsibility to do great work. And so you think about like, Professional engineers have a creed that they sign as part of like becoming a professional engineer. Part of that is saying like, I dedicate my professional knowledge to the advancement and betterment of public health, safety, and welfare. Recognizing that as engineers, we have this responsibility. So what we do matters for the world, but it also what we do matters because we matter, right? So shouldn't we create a life that we care about, even if it doesn't affect other people, but even if it's just like, hey, what I'm doing for me and maybe my family and just like who I want to be for the people in my life matters. And everything that we are trying to build in an intentional life and career affects all of those other things. Let's talk about the significance of intentionality. How significant is it for you to be intentional? I don't think we can overstate it. We've talked about a lot of different pieces here already, but again, are you going to decide and be intentional and create the lives that you want to create, or are you going to let your life and career just sort of happen to you? You could stay in in one of those stages of being obligatory, just kind of surviving or just opportunistic. And you could stay there and you could take care of your family. You could make enough money and, and you could live a comfortable life by the numbers. And that's totally fine. But if we want to create more joy and satisfaction and meaning in what we do in our lives. If we want to become great people, grow a great family, if that's important to you, uh, contribute to your community or faith community in some way, all these other pieces 
intentionality is is partly at the the root of that driving the actions that we want to take you know if we don't what might we be missing out on and what impact might we not be delivering in our careers and our lives in other ways if we aren't intentional so it's extremely significant i want to go back to a point that i had stated earlier about being in school and getting an internship in water resources engineering and then you know like feeling as if I was missing out on something. And I don't want to take that statement back, but I want to modify it a bit because I believe that what we're both saying here is that every action that you take is important. Every step that you're taking is important. And sometimes you have to get into the unintentional in order for you to find the intention for your life. You have to find that purpose eventually. There's no wrong step <laughs> that you can actually take as long as, as you're taking a step forward, right? So by me and along with other engineers that are out here, by me getting into a field where I didn't have a particular liking, I did develop a second liking. I do like water resources engineering now, it's just not my favorite one, and that's okay. But it helped me to say, okay, well, this is not the end all be all, but it's somewhere along the path. So maybe I'll work on construction projects in water resources industry. Maybe I can do something that kind of ties the two together. But still, going back to my pre previous point, that there isn't a wrong step and that sometimes you have to do things. Well, I always like to say that you have to do what you have to do to get where you want to get. And you won't understand where you want to get unless you do the things that you don't necessarily want to do and figure out that that's not what you actually want to do. Even if you are intentional and you are clear where you want to get to, it's not like everything's going to be easy and unicorns and rainbows and you're only going to be putting action into things that you love 100% of the time, right? But I love your point, like, hey, even if you don't know exactly where you want to go or what that intention is and you're still trying to get clarity on that, I love one of the quotes and I put it in the book, in the absence of clarity, take action, do something. And that's going to help you grow and, and learn about yourself and the thing and grow some skills. Like that's better than staying in analysis paralysis and just not doing anything because that's not going to help you. So we still need to be taking action along the way. And that's part of this iterative growth process of clarifying and growing our intentions. Yeah, there's a famous guy out there that's getting a lot of scrutiny, Will Smith. And one of the things that he said uh, recently within like the last couple of years was to fail forward. And that's just been something that's just stuck with me for a while. But so let's talk about journaling. I've seen in this book specifically that you've talked about the importance of journaling and how beneficial it is towards your career growth. And I will honestly say that I have not been one to ever journal. But now after reading this book or getting into reading this book and seeing how that can help you with your intentionality on figuring out your career path, I'm going to start. I already have an Amazon cart packed up with a couple of them right now. They're waiting to check out pretty soon. Maybe I can find a cheaper book, but <laughs> you know they're about to come through pretty soon. So I'm definitely going to start that because I, I see how important it actually is in determining your path and getting to that point of intention that we all wish to get to. How does journaling help you specifically? I know that you had also said in the book, that you journal in the morning and that you also journal in the evening as well. Can you give us some tips on how to journal, why and when you started and like any tips that you can give us about journaling in general? 
Journaling has been transformational for me. I've kind of ebbed and flowed over my life of when I've journaled and when I haven't at, at different times, but I've been really, really consistent about it. About 2020, I took actually a, an online journaling course from a self-development expert named Benjamin Hardy. And I just sort of committed at that point, I'm going to start journaling. And so, yeah, I do it morning and night. It's such a simple tool that's available to every single one of us. And yet it can be so transformational. Journaling can help give us space for ideas that we're thinking about. I encourage a lot of it in the book and I ask a lot of reflection questions. We can reflect on questions and ideas, all these intentionality questions. Who do I want to become? What do I want to do in my career? What do I want to be when I grow up? We've been asked that question since we were little. It can help tap into our intuition, insights, clarify our dreams, goals we want to have, turning off the noise of social media and, and media in general, and just sitting with ourselves. It can be kind of a meditative experience to a degree. And so there's no perfect formula. Like what I do in the morning generally is I'll write some things that I'm grateful for, and I'll kind of say, hey, these are three things that I think would create an awesome day today. So I'm trying to create my day at the beginning. And then I write a few affirmations, like I am statements that are meaningful to me to just sort of remind myself of who I'm trying to become. It's pretty simple. It just takes a, a couple minutes and, and that's how I start my day. And then at the end of the night is for reflection, hey, what are some great things that happened today? So it's kind of recording some of those great memories. It's almost gratitude again at the end of the day. I even give myself kind of a number score, like out of 10, how was today, right? Was it a five? It wasn't too great. Or maybe it's a nine. Like it was a pretty good day today because of some great things that happened. I then asked like, hey, what's something that I really want to remember from today? Like a positive memory that I just want to take. And then I asked like, hey, what's a question I want to ponder as I go to sleep tonight? Because there's a quote by Thomas Edison that says, never go to sleep without making a request to your subconscious. And so sometimes our minds in our sleep can come up with that ideas. And so we can sort of insert that question as we go to sleep. Our subconscious can work on some of those things. So those are some of the things that I do on a regular basis. And then sometimes when I need to, I'll do free writing on different subjects and I'm just trying to get ideas and just get away from some of the technology and just iterate on things that I'm thinking about that can be helpful. So, and it's just nice because journaling, like when you're writing, even if you're typing, but I like to, to free write by hand, our writing is slower than our thought speed. And that's a good thing. It focuses our thinking and allows us to sort of tap into that. And instead of our minds going every which way, it pulls things together. So journaling has been so transformational for me as I continue to iterate who I'm trying to become. I always think that, you know, we as humans are just too dynamic for all of our thoughts to just be up here. We need to take them down here and put them on paper. Just being able to like actually see them. There's so much power that goes into that. And even the affirmations that you were talking about, writing down like I am, I am this, I am that, whatever it may be. I feel like those things are super powerful because you're reminding yourself, like, how do we learn? We learn through repetition, right? If you keep on writing the same sentence, eventually you're going to end up believing those things about yourself. You're teaching yourself, you're coaching yourself on how to become the best engineer, for example. So I really like that. And I, I hope that everyone that's viewing today will really take up some initiative to go ahead and get a journal and get started with it. I mean, it doesn't really take a whole lot of time. 
And you'd probably find that your life is going to be a lot more organized and your thoughts are going to be a lot less cluttered by doing so. Because me, as well as some other people out here, like I have a brain that's just scattered all over the place. I have a million and one things going on. I have a, a family at home, a wife and three young children, house to maintain, job to maintain, current endeavors and future aspirations that I'm trying to get to. You can't keep all of that inside of your brain. You know, you have to write something down. And so a free write journal, you know, just getting some blank pages is helpful. And obviously that's part of why I also designed the workbook to give you some of that reflective space that's included free with the book that, that people can go grab as well. I'm really liking the workbook a lot because it reminds me of the courses that we have while within EMI as well, where you're not just getting a course with EMI. You're not just getting a book, The Intentional Engineer by Jeff Perry. You're getting a workbook that you can actually use as a introduction to journaling and you're writing things down with intention that you can actually read back on and you can improve on. You can see where you are at and then you can milestone it. It's like, oh, okay, in three months, I'll be doing this. And then in six months, I'll be moving on to the next step. So I really love that. I think that you did an excellent job with including a workbook because not often do we find books like this that have a workbook attached. I really think that this book is more than just an engineer's book. I think that this is something that's definitely for like lifestyle. People can use this in every single career endeavor that they are taking and they can take something from it. Just change the name from engineer to graphic designer, teacher, whatever it may be. Like it really, really helps. So now I want to talk a little bit about work-life balance. And I saw something in the book about how you changed work-life balance to life-work balance and how there's a synergy that goes in that change. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so let's just sort of step through it. Work-life balance gets talked about all the time, like, hey, I've got this work life, I've got this work aspect and, and everything else in life. But we put work first a lot of times, and it means that the other parts of our life, our family, our community, our faith, and other things that are important to us are just sort of squeezed into whatever time is left over after work. And is that really how we want to live our lives where we're kind of really living to work and life just kind of picks up the scraps, right? And when we do it that way, work and life feel like they're opposing forces, right? And so I, I put a graphic in there. You think about like vectors and math or, or science or whatever, like, hey, vectors have a magnitude and direction. So when they are opposing each other, they cancel out when they add on. And sometimes that's how we approach work and life. So at minimum, let's switch the order. Let's do life work balance and put life first and, and organize our work in a way that, that balances the, the life first. But still the word balance doesn't feel right to me because when things are in balance, there's no movement. They're static. I prefer the, the approach to instead life work alignment. How can we align our life and our work to support each other and vice versa? So that instead of opposing vectors, they're vectors that are going in the same direction actually increase our ability to move towards who we want to become. Just as a really brief example on a personal level, I was recently training for triathlon. It's a physical goal that I had and something that was important to me. But like you, I've got a young family, we've got four young kids and, and different things. And so I tried a lot of times to integrate ways that I could do training 
for that with family experiences. So we go to the pool, I'd spend a little bit of time swimming laps, but then we would enjoy family time at the pool. That's an alignment with what I'm trying to do and some family time. One time we were, wanted to go to the farmer's market, but it's a, a town away and the farmer's market also where, is where a bike shop is and I need to get my bike tuned up for the triathlon. So I rode my bike there while the family drove. So I got some exercise in and got some time on the bike. And then we had a great time together as a family there. And also one of my clients was there and could meet. And so I could also align that time with doing a little bit of work just by improving a connection with something too, someone too. And so like these different ways and we, things don't always work out quite that nice, but how can we find those ways that things are in alignment instead of in opposition and getting creative there to do that? extremely important, especially with the dynamic and uh, diverse careers such as engineering, because there's so many tasks that need to be done at the same time. That really speaks to me a lot because, I mean, for example, Anthony, Sano, and I, we had just went to Louisville, Kentucky and Springfield, Illinois the other day. And we kind of just made this a, a trip where we're taking care of a lot of different things at the same time. So we went to go and visit with the client we also went to go and do a speaking engagement for um, another prestigious engineering firm. And we spoke to an impact of the lives of 150 high school students. So being able to mash all of those things together, I think that speaks to the alignment that you're getting at here. You're lining things up, knocking them all out. So I think that that's extremely important. Yeah. And so anytime we are spending on work, is, is it really working on the right things? Because it can be really easy to waste all sort of time when you think you're working, but not really doing things that are that are meaningful. And so when you're on trips, like how can you multiply the impact that you have in the time that you're spending and be focusing on the right things? I also saw in the book, you know, your your let's be real section on if we're actually spending eight hours actually working. I would honestly say, no, we're not, <laughs> but you know, that kind of goes into some of the other books that I've been trying to get into where they're talking about optimizing your time. There is a possibility where you can actually chase your dreams at the same time that you're working your nine to five, like it's fully possible. You just have to work on eliminating the distractions, which is also part of uh, this book, the gaining clarity and setting your objectives clear. So I think that that's extremely important because oftentimes we disqualify ourselves from being able to accomplish a goal. And that kind of goes into the mindset aspect as well, where we get into imposter syndrome, thinking that, oh, I don't have enough time. There's not enough time for me to put in the effort or the I don't have the resources to get X, Y, and Z done in order for me to accomplish this goal. So then that idea just stays as that, just an idea. You never get in motion to making that idea actually come to fruition and become an actual manifestation of your mind. Let's talk about strengths. How can one identify their strengths? How can one align with their strengths? And how can one use those strengths that they have to get into their intentions and setting their intentions? So strengths are great and you know they've been popularized by kind of Gallup to the, the strengths finder assessment and they've got books and stuff. And, and I like those. I like going a little bit further with strengths and going to what's been uh, coined by a book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks of genius zones. Like how can we get in our zones of genius that, that are unique to us? Other people might call them unique abilities. And so 
when we can harness and work in our genius zones and align with that, we're going to have more joy and satisfaction in our life and our work um, because it's things that we really enjoy doing because we're good at them and we're creating impact. And it's going to be good for our employers or our business if we run our own business or, or whatever that is, because we're going to be operating and doing our best work and what we're best suited to do, right? So two ways to identify what your genius zones are. One is to reflect on and identify times that you are in what's called flow. Flow is sort of this mental state where we almost lose track of time. It's a balance of the challenge that we're met with, with the skills that we have to meet that challenge. And we can get in this, this flow state. We're enjoying ourselves. We're engrossed in it. You think about people feel like they're in the zone, right? So athletes might talk about that a lot, but we can have that in our life. So sometimes when I'm in presentation mode or, or in coaching, like I'm just so dialed in with the people and, and what's happening that I kind of forget everything that else is happening around me because I just really enjoy it. So that's one way to think about that. So what is that for you? And it doesn't need to be just career stuff like, hey, I'm doing this design work or whatever, but do you get that when you're playing an instrument, when you're building a, a model or engaging in some other hobby? Like, what is that? Even finding those things outside of your career that get you in flow is a positive thing for you. The other way to look at identifying genius zones is to look at unique combinations that you have that might be different than others. For me, one of the reasons why I'm getting in, why I got into what I'm doing now is I have this unique combination of a broad set of engineering experiences combined with I've done some training and coaching work and work in emotional intelligence. And so that combination allows me to do a lot of this coaching and training for engineers that in a way that few people can do. And I love doing that work. One of my clients we're working through this because he was trying to move through a career transition. He had this hard time like really describing what are some of the great things that he can add to a company. And by the way, you can utilize these strengths and putting in your resume and some of your conversations with people in your job interviews, you know, you can utilize these to try and get where you want to go. He was a software engineer and leader. And so we had experience doing large cloud data engineering projects and he had great experience leading and empowering teams and also working across functions, not just in the engineering organization, but across product and marketing and leadership and bringing people together on some things. And that combination is something that he was able to kind of, you think about like a Venn diagram and, and the intersections there and that, that intersection allows him to be able to do things in a different way than most people. I highly suggest spending time identifying these strengths of these genius zones so that you can communicate them to your current employer, future employers, and, and others to showcase the value that you bring to the table and look for ways to find more times to get into those genius zones because you're going to enjoy it and you're going to do some of your best work there. But now that we talked about strengths, let's talk about weaknesses and talk about uncertainty and resistance. So how does one navigate through that. So I talk about uncertainty and resistance specifically in that are challenges to living this life of intention. Starting with uncertainty for a second, like I wish there was, but there's no crystal ball that exists that can tell us that if we take path A, this is what's going to happen. And if we take path B, this is what's going to happen. There's no way to do that. So whenever we make choices or decisions, we have to accept that we don't know what the outcome is going to be. There is uncertainty there. 
that's a fear of a lot of people. We fear uncertainty. In fact, there's a quote that I love by a psychologist by the name of Virginia Satir, who says that many of us prefer the certainty of misery to the misery of uncertainty. So we even sometimes stay in doing things that we know aren't good for us because we're more afraid of what we don't know on the other side. So, so don't let the uncertainty keep you stuck. We were talking earlier, like moving forward, taking action, trying new things that helps us explore and, and keep trying to do things. Resistance, just recognize there's opposition. Anytime we're doing to trying to do something good or make a positive growth or change in our lives, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be resistance. And sometimes that's our own fears. And sometimes it's, it's other things. I just want to read a, a quote. Uh, this comes from a book called The War of Art authored by the name of Stephen Pressfield. But I put this quote in The Intentional Engineer because I liked it so much. It talks about resistance. He says this, remember our rule of thumb. The more scared we are of a work or calling, the more sure we can be that we have to do it. Resistance is experienced as fear. The degree of fear equates the strength of resistance. Therefore, the more fear we feel about a specific enterprise, the more certain we can be that that enterprise is important to us and to the growth of our soul. That's why we feel so much resistance. If it meant nothing to us, there would be no resistance, right? So looking at that resistance, that fear that we're having almost as an indicator that there's a reason why we should go reach for a goal or do something that's important to us. Expect that resistance, identify what that might look like for you, and it allows us to move through it more effectively. One of the things that I thought about first and foremost is like, I don't know about anybody else, uh, you know, but you or anybody else that might be watching, but I am um, a man of faith. And the first thing I think about is that being a man of faith, you know that you are on the right path when you feel uncertain and you feel fearful. And that's when you're called to lean into it absolutely 100% of the way. If the path was not rocky, you wouldn't be called to like actually walk along that path. It's supposed to be scary. It's supposed to be fearful. This book is like is so good because it's not just for the nine to five worker. It's not just for the engineer. It's for the entrepreneur. It's for the dreamer, the person that wants to become something in life. It's really hitting me hard with this book because I'm getting a lot of answers and reassurance in this that even the path that I'm on, like I'm feeling fearful about even leaping out there and doing speaking engagements, but here I am being thrusted into the podcasting space. Here I am with EMI and I'm being thrusted into the instructional space. I'm used to being a person that's just in the shadows, but now here I am. So now it's like, okay, this book is like a confirmation for me. For me, I think it's a divine confirmation to keep on thrusting forward, you know, keep on doing the things that I say that I'm scared about. I have this weird thing about me where it's like whenever I get on to present or uh, speak to a group of people or something, I am scared out of my pants. I'll refrain from saying any bad words, but I'm scared. I hope you keep your pants on, but yeah, I understand. Absolutely. But it stays on, but I'm scared to death. But after a while of doing, you know, talking, I get into a flow state after that point. Wow. Like it's, it's crazy, like how much confirmation, how much I'm actually getting from this thing. So just to wrap up here, like what key takeaways do you want people to get from reading this book, The Intentional Engineer? Well, I hope people don't just read it and learn the ideas. I hope they take action. 
in action in a way that helps them create a life of meaning and purpose and are really trying to be action oriented and invite action throughout the book. I hope they, they change from being more proactive and intentional, not reactive in their approach to life. I certainly hope it helps them be successful at work, but also successful in their life and their relationships, get promotions, but give contributions to their community and their family in meaningful ways. And mostly just this idea of like, again, to become, like to choose to become who they want to become rather than just letting life and society and the world make that choice for them. It's a great takeaway. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of people that are reading these books is going to take away just that. All right. Thanks for that, Jeff. We really appreciate it. And uh, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we get back, we're going to get into our Take Action Today segment. Stay tuned. All right. Now, everyone, we are back with Jeff Perry, the author of The Intentional Engineer. And right now we're going to get into our Take Action Today segment. So, Jeff, what is one actionable takeaway that you have for us that you can give us today? Yeah, Matthew, if I was going to put it quickly and simply, is to identify one thing that you're afraid of, but that you know is probably good for you, and do it anyway. Push through that fear, take that action, and see what happens. See what you learn about yourself. See if those fears really come to fruition, because they probably won't a lot of times. And even if things don't work out great, you're still going to learn and grow because of it. So identify that thing that you're afraid of and do it anyway. Take that action with intention and see what happens. This book, what we've talked about here has confirmed a lot of things for me specifically on how I can be intentional, how I can take action, how I can identify my strengths, how I can identify my weaknesses and how I can lean into it and push that fear back because most likely that thing that I'm fearful about is not something to be feared at all. So Jeff, I really appreciate you coming onto the podcast today and talking about your book, The Intentional Engineer. Where can we find you on you know, social media? You have a website out there and where can we find your book as well? Yeah, so you can find me at jeff-perry.com, social media, mostly just LinkedIn, but you can go find information on the book at theintentionalengineer.com or it'll be available on Amazon. So go check it out and grab the book and also the workbook. The digital workbook is free, but if you want a printed version, that'll be available on Amazon as well. Well, I hope that everyone uh, takes advantage, gets the book and also gets the workbook. Even if you are not able to pay um, for the book, the workbook is still very, very great. And you can take a lot of things from that. So Jeff, we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Absolutely, Matthew. Such a pleasure. And thanks so much for your time. And I'm looking forward to hearing as you finish the book, what more you get from it. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and questions. You can go to engineeringmanagementinstitute.org where you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in the episode as well as links to any of the resources or websites that we mentioned in the episode. And don't forget to check out any upcoming live webinars for this month at the website as well. Additionally, for any engineers who feel like they need extra help taking the next career step or finding clarity in their careers, I've created some free training resources with an opportunity to join a more intensive program called the Engineering Career Accelerator. You can find more information at engineeringcareeraccelerator.com or you can go grab my career clarity checklist found at www.engineeringcareeraccelerator.com slash career clarity. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering endeavors. 
Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.